Lord, I ask that you just help me to break this word and that all of us will benefit from it. Speak to our hearts. Use me as a vessel to speak through me. You know the needs that are in this house. And you also know the needs of those who will listen to this message beyond these walls from the podcast online. Speak a reamer word. And now, word, Lord, that will bring transformation and ultimately will cause us all to trust you more in Jesus' name. Amen. My theme is, I believe, help my unbelief. We are following the gospel of Mark, sort of portion by portion, and This afternoon we find ourselves in Mark chapter 9 from verse 14 onwards. And what I'm going to share with you is linked to the previous message, which I haven't got time to reiterate now. It's online if you want to go back and listen to that, and indeed the whole series if you want to track right back to the first message where we began in Mark chapter 1. The last message was speaking about the transfiguration of Jesus which took place on a mountain, and the disciples that were with Jesus, Peter, James, and John, uh, were coming down the mountain, and at the foot of the mountain, they meet a boy that's demonized with his father, and as was read for us, this boy is set free by Jesus. The disciples weren't able to help him, but uh, we'll, we'll read the passage and we'll just move on through the story. So reading from verse 14, it says, And when he came to the disciples, this is speaking of Jesus, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him greeted him. And he asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Amen. I think we need to have a little bit of understanding in regards to the disciples here. Jesus does call them faithless. But they were facing a very difficult problem. A difficult case to handle with this boy that was demonized. And by that I understand Uh, A demon is able to take control of part of one's personality and dominate a part of one's life. That's what I mean when I use the word demonized. It's a very difficult case for them to handle. In fact, in the eyes of contemporary Jewish exorcists, this was particularly difficult, if not impossible, to cast out a demon from a person who was deaf and dumb. This was because they believed that you had to learn a demon's name before you could cast it out. 
And if a demon made someone mute, you could never learn that demon's name. So this was kind of like the thinking that was prevailing at the time. This boy was manifesting symptoms of epilepsy. And there are cases in the scripture um, that speaks of epilepsy. But what we see on the surface here is not the real root of this issue. And even the father, I don't know if he was a religious man or not, but he acknowledged that it was a demon that was taking control of this boy, even to try to kill him, throw him into the fire, throw him into water. So the root of the problem was not what we see on the surface. And the father was able to discern this. And likewise, Jesus was able to discern this. It was a powerful demon that caused this boy to be It's what Paul calls in Ephesians 6 verse 12, principalities and powers, wicked spirits in high places. So this demon was able to craft a very powerful display of its power and it was very difficult to dislodge and we see that there are levels then aren't there unclean and evil spirits in Matthew 12 3 to 45 Jesus speaks about when an unclean spirit comes out of a person it goes about seeking rest it turns to that person or to that house and finds it unoccupied it takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself to take up residence. So the final condition of that person is worse than the first. So we see then there are, in Satan's kingdom, there are levels of uh, wickedness and evil. And there's structure there, isn't there? We can see that clearly from those two passages of scripture. It was a challenge and uh, for these disciples. They, they couldn't deal with this situation. One of the other things that may have caused this case to be difficult was that the scribes were there disputing with the disciples. Can you imagine that? You're trying to get something done. You're trying to deliver this boy. What you want around you are people who are praying, cooperating with you, believing with you. What you don't want is a set of people who are arguing with you. And distracting you. So that was making this even more difficult for the disciples to to handle this situation. But Jesus comes along and we want to look at why he failed. And I believe that Jesus put his finger right on the pulse here. And he says they failed because a lack of their faith. They failed to deliver this boy because of lack of their faith. They did not fail because they did not expect something to happen. Because they did. You know, we can think of faith as some kind of expectation that something is going to happen. We can think of faith in God as just believing. In other words, if I can just believe enough. That something's going to happen, it will happen, my circumstance will change. And in this case, the disciples, I'm sure they believed, 
But they were surprised when nothing happened, even though they believed. They expected the boy to be delivered. This time, it didn't happen. I want to say to us that faith is more than just believing. Faith is more than just an emotional feeling. Faith is more than a positive mental attitude. Faith is more than a technique for fostering optimism. Faith is more than an expectation. You see, positive thinking can be the result of faith, but it is definitely not equivalent. The difference may seem subtle, but the gap between them is as far as the east is from the west. Just believing, just having positive thinking is not faith in God. They are different altogether. So what is faith then? Faith is totally relying on God's power in a way that glorifies God. Faith is totally reliant on God's power in a manner that glorifies God. Faith is totally trusting God to do what he has said he will do and has the power to do. So it's not just about merely believing or believing a process. You know, many people have more faith in a process or a technique than actually trusting God. I remember when we were going through the series of James and we, we looked at the passage about healing and taking the oil and anointing people. It's not the oil that heals anybody. Ultimately, we have to put our faith, our confidence, our trust in God, whether we have oil or not. Because once we go down that road, it leaves us into all kind of goofy stuff. What kind of oil then? Is it olive oil? Pressed virgin olive oil? So you can see how we can just go off down sidetracks when we begin to believe in objects and well, he didn't get healed because pastor used his left hand to lay on him. You know, we can get off into all kinds of strange things. Faith is about being totally reliant on God and whatever we do in faith glorifies God. Does not glorify a human being. It's done to the glory of God. So it's not about learning a technique. So I can, I, I can teach you. It's about trusting God and being totally reliant on God. You remember the disciples were sent out earlier in this gospel, two by two. And Jesus gave them power to heal the sick, to cast out devils. So they had done this, but perhaps they had taken their focus off the one who had given them the authority and the power. And maybe they were just carrying out a routine exercise. Well, six months ago, this is what we did. This is what we said, and the person was delivered. It's not about a technique. It's about relying on God. Every time, every time we put our trust in God and we rely on him. Amen. Reading from verse 20. Then they brought him to him. That's bringing the boy to Jesus. And when he saw him immediately... 
The spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, Come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead. So that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. I just want to pick up a couple points here. Notice the father's response of unbelief. He says, if there is anything you can do, he's speaking to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the creator. And he's saying to him, is there anything you can do? <laughs> I like what Jesus does. He turns it back onto him. He said, it's not so much about what I can do because I can do it. He said, do you believe? If you believe, all things are possible. The man was honest with his response. He said, Lord, I believe, but there's doubt there. I believe, but I need you to help me. With my unbelief. In other words, the man was saying, I'm really believing you, Lord, for the deliverance of my son. But I'm struggling with this doubt and unbelief. It's, it's getting in the way of me 100% believing. And you know, I think that speaks to all of us here. Because we all believe in God, don't we? We believe in the Christ. We believe that God can do the impossible. But often there are doubts that uh, flood our hearts and our minds. It's funny sometimes that you, f you feel, well, for me, I speak for myself, sometimes I feel, God, you're in control, I'm 100% believing you, and I've got the victory, and then in a moment almost, you can see yourself walking around with your head hanging down and thinking, oh no, it's all going to go wrong, it ain't going to work out. That's me. I'm sure that happens to some of you. Because I know you're more spiritual than me. So that doesn't happen to some of you. But it happens to me anyway. What I love about this man is that he casts his burden and his whole self onto the Lord with honesty. And if you're here today, you are believing God. In other words, you're putting your trust, your total reliance in God for your breakthrough but yet there are doubts 
that are surrounding your heart and your mind. I want to encourage you just like this father to cast those burdens, those doubts onto the Lord. Just be honest with him. He knows your heart anyway. But say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I think God warms to us when we're just honest with him. We're not living pretending that we're all that and we're, we're trusting him. Just be honest. And say, Lord, I do believe. But there are doubts that, that, that are surrounding me. It's not, I don't want to trust you. But help my unbelief. And I believe that the Lord sees this as that mustard seed. Remember we spoke about that earlier in, in Mark's gospel. And God can work with that. He needs some faith to work with. So even if it's as small as a mustard seed, and you're honest and say, Lord, I believe for this breakthrough. But there are lots of doubts. God is able to use that seed and do something with that. Notice that Jesus didn't speak to the boy. He didn't ask the demon, what's your name? He just said, you deaf and dumb spirit, come out of him. This is the Lord Jesus using his authority and commanding this unclean spirit to come out of this young boy. And even in the presence of Jesus, to show how difficult this case was, the spirit didn't just come out. It said that it convulsed the boy, threw him down to the ground, trying to resist the command of Jesus. But eventually, with reluctance, the spirit came out of the boy and was set free. And the Bible says he lay there as if he was dead. And the people said they, they, they thought he was dead. But Jesus picked him up by the hand and restored him. Now notice in verse 28. And when Jesus had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. What does that mean? I believe this is talking about lifestyle. So there are times when we meet difficult issues and cases in our lives and it's not so much what we do on the spot that's going to get us to our place of victory. It's more to do with our lifestyle. How have we been living up onto that point? I believe this is primarily talking about a lifestyle of prayer. I know some of the uh, translations omit the word fasting. But Jesus is saying that um, a lifestyle of prayer and fasting is what brings him and us to a place where we can deal with these difficult issues and gain the victory over them. Jesus says this kind cannot be driven out except by a heart which is kept fresh and alive and in touch with God by a life of prayer. And that's where Jesus' power came from. We know he was always in touch 
with his father. Always drawing on the power of his father. He walked in total reliance on God. Again in the same gospel of Mark earlier on. We see that he went aside by himself. To spend time in prayer with God. And perhaps the disciples weren't so committed to prayer. They were just relying on formulas or, you know, what they'd seen Jesus do. Well, he did it this way, so if we do the same thing, it will, it will work. But as I re- reiterate, it's not about formulas. It's about a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. Walking with God in a, in a new and thriving and growing relationship on a daily basis. Being consistent in prayer and in touch with our Father. So that when we meet upon challenges, it's not a case of, well, what do I do now? We've been walking that journey with God. We've been close to his heart. And then we ask God, well, what do I do in this situation now? Because what you don't need is a formula. What you need is a word from God. So I want to encourage us to cultivate faith through biblical spiritual disciplines and devotion. How do we do that? Well, a lifestyle of prayer helps us to do that. Totally being reliant on God. God is never tired of hearing us. God doesn't say, oh, not, not you again. What do you want this time? Every time we cry out to God, it's like he's sitting on the edge of his seat. What is my child going to say to me? He wants us to become reliant on him. And you know that our challenges in life are not sent to break us, but they are sent to draw us closer to God. Because, you know, you realize after a while, after you've been going around that issue time and time and you're not getting anywhere with it sometimes I do I stop and I think you know what have I even brought this to God have I even brought this to God in prayer have I seriously taken time to to bring this issue to God so God wants us to be reliant on him and a lifestyle of prayer scripture says draw near to God he'll draw near to us Philippians 4 6 to 7 talks about not being anxious, fretting and worrying about things, but presenting our issues to God with thanksgiving. And his peace then fills our hearts. Amen? Secondly, to cultivate faith, we need to meditate in God's word. Psalm 1 verse 2. What does it say? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord is the Holy Writ, the Bible. And in his law, we meditate day and night. The scripture says that faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So as we meditate in God's word, we cultivate faith and faith grows. Faith grows. Amen? So we need to meditate in God's word. And then thirdly, fellowship with believers is one way to cultivate your faith. 
And some may not put so much importance on this, but it's important to fellowship with other saints. It's important to come to church, to fellowship. No one is an island. We need to fellowship with one another. When we come together, we're challenged, we're strengthened. Doesn't the scripture say that iron sharpens iron? We're uplifted. Because when one is down and you come in and you've got someone up here like Phil leading worship, no matter how you feel, don't. <laughs> you can't leave out of the service the same, can you? Because the, the hope that comes from the, the worship and the fellowship of the saints and, and the believers around us. So he said that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of, of some. And so much the more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. So I am encouraging us to cultivate faith through biblical spiritual disciplines. By living a lifestyle of prayer. Not just waiting until the appointed time. But a lifestyle of prayer that demonstrates our reliance on God. Not on objects. Not on formulas, not on copying what you, somebody else did and it worked for them. It's about God, well, what would you have me to do as I'm sensitive to your story? In this moment, in the midst of this challenge, not relying on myself, but Lord, what would you have me to do? And that comes out of that walk, that journey of prayer consistently. We need to meditate on God's word. Read our Bibles. We need to read our Bibles. Every day. <laughs> we need to read our Bibles. We have our Bibles these days on different devices. Some of you may still use the old-fashioned way of using an actual printed Bible. However you choose to do it. We need to read and meditate. And memorize the scripture. Because faith comes to us when we read the Bible. And then I want to encourage us to fellowship with believers. You know, it's important to make an effort to come to church. Did you know that? Sometimes the enemy wants to hold us down and make us feel, I can't come out today, it's raining outside. All kind of excuses. I'm tired. But you're not too tired to go to Bullring Door. When seal is on. So where that strength come from? Let me tell you something. The enemy doesn't want us to fellowship together. He does not want us to be united. You think every Sunday I want to get up and come to church? But I have learnt... To discipline myself and push past that tired feeling and that emotion of whatever lies and rubbish the devil's bringing into my mind. And I say to myself, devil, you think me stupid. I'm going to church to worship, bless the name of the Lord and fellowship with the saints. Amen. I don't know if it's only me have these kind of experiences, you know. But I'm sure some of you can relate to what I'm saying. 
But can I just be honest with you? Yes. Sometimes pastor don't want to come to church. Because pastor feels tired and oh, if I could ever lie in this morning. Well, I've recognized over the years that coming to the house of God, I'm telling you, things have changed. When we as a family have come to the house of God. Amen. We meet in God's presence with God's people. The commentator Morgan says, Jesus found disputing scribes, a distracted father, a demon-possessed boy, and defeated disciples. He silenced the scribes. He comforted the father. He healed the boy. And he instructed the disciples. Amen. Just linking this back to the occurrence on the mount in the transfiguration of Jesus. Jesus had said six days before his transfiguration and the deliverance of this boy. That some of you standing here will not taste death before you see the kingdom of God come with power. Well, what was this? The deliverance of this boy was a demonstration of God's kingdom and his power. Amen. I wonder if there's anyone in here today who's believing God for something. As human beings, we like quick fixes, don't we? So ideally, what you want to happen is you come up here, I pray for you, and it's sorted. Any takers? <laughs> well, I'm telling you, it don't always work like that. God wants you to trust him every step of the journey. So you pray, and you look out, nothing's changed. So you go back to God again in prayer, you meditate in the word, you come to church and have fellowship with the saints and you look out and nothing's changed. So what do you do? Put that slide back up please. The prayer, meditate. Okay, can you say this with me? What are we going to do? We're going to live a lifestyle of? We're going to meditate in? And we're going to share fellowship with? Just leave that up there please. Thank you. That's our lifestyle. And then we, when we come up against challenges, when our backs are up against the wall, we have cultivated our faith and we've developed our relationship with God that in that moment, we're not relying on ourselves, but God gives us instructions exactly what to do. And it may seem foolish. I remember uh, an occasion, I'll share this with you. Got up and prayed one morning and then around about three o'clock I just started to pray for Crystal. I don't know why. And all I was saying was, Lord, bring her home safely from school. I could have just ignored that and said, well, what's that about? You know, I'm not going to bother to do it. But I just did it and just believed God to do that. When she got home, 
She told me of a, a situation of a revenge attack where some lads had specifically come to the school that she was attending at the time and came onto the school bus to come and actually do in this young guy. Fortunately, that guy wasn't on the bus. For whatever reason, he's normally on the bus. But that afternoon, he wasn't on the bus. I don't know if he missed the bus or what. I was praying for Chris, but I think I was praying for that guy to miss the bus, really. <laughs> well, what I'm saying, if I was disobedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit and just relying on myself and formulas and this, that, and the other, who knows what would have happened in that situation. But the deliverance of that lad came out of a believing Christian who was walking with the Lord and at that time when the Spirit speaks, we have to be obedient. Amen? So we practice these disciplines and there will come a moment for your deliverance. But you still have to be obedient and trust God when that moment comes. Amen? Are you getting this? Okay, so it's about doing it, isn't it? It's not just about having the knowledge and the understanding, but it's about doing this and this takes discipline. Discipline to do it. We're going to pray because time has gone. Well, I want to believe God with someone today if you're believing God for a breakthrough. And after we've done this, we're going to pray together as a church for unity. If you're believing God for a breakthrough, but you feel your heart and your mind surrounded with so much doubts, I'm inviting you to come forward to cast your doubts, cast your burdens on the Lord. God just needs a seed. He knows you're believing Him. He just needs a seed of faith. If you can believe today, all things are possible. If you can believe. God is ready to act on your behalf. He has your best interests at heart. He wants you to place your total reliance in Him for His glory today. If you're here today, I'm not going to labor this. You know where you are in your heart. You know what challenges are before you. If you want to publicly exhibit your trust and reliance on God by coming forward, because that's what it is. It's just a statement to say, God, publicly, I want to believe you for this breakthrough in this place of fellowship amongst the saints. We are friends here. We're, we're worshippers together. Nobody should feel afraid to come forward to this altar. Perhaps if you feel afraid, that's the enemy's grip on you. And I want to encourage you, if you just feel like I can't get up out of my seat to come forward, I want to encourage you to stand up, push past the doubts, the fears, the thoughts of what people are going to say and this and the other. I want to encourage you to come to this altar so that we can pray together. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to sing that song afterwards, after we pray. We'll sing that song, then we're going to all pray together. So just keep that going, please. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Can I have some help from ministry team, leaders who are here? Just want to pray with these at the altar. Before I pray, I'm going to ask you all to commit. Commit to that kind of lifestyle. Lifestyle of prayer. Meditating in God's word. Fellowship with believers. Commit to that lifestyle first before I even pray with you and pray for you. Just do that in your own words. Make a commitment to God. Just be honest and say, Lord, I haven't been spending time in prayer as I ought to. I haven't been meditating in your word. I'm not taking your word seriously. I'm lacking in regards to fellowshipping with the believers. And I'm committing to that in this place today. That's the lifestyle I want to live. Because this kind, this kind of issue, this kind of challenge does not go without living this kind of lifestyle. Amen. Just do that in your own words before we pray. Lord, let these commitments that go up to you hold fast. The words that come from these lips. In the name of Jesus. Empower them by the power of your spirit. Lord, to live that lifestyle of prayer. Spending time aside with you. Meditating your word day and night, oh God. Being committed to this place. To our church family, to this place of fellowship, oh God. In the name of Jesus.